turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We won't read the whole passage, uh, but uh, we will read up a part of it. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11 when you find it. We'll read down to verse, I'm trying to find the, there's a phrase, occupy till I come, verse 13. Uh, so we'll read verses 11 through 13, uh, starting verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Thank you. All right, kids, you may be dismissed. And just before the message, softly and tenderly, page 44 in your hymnals. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary. Tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O oh sinner, come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Mercies. Mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home on the last. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, Come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O oh sinner, come home. You may be seated. Open your Bibles and it's going to fall open to Ephesians, but I promise that's not where we're going. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read down through the entire passage. It's 11 through verse 28, uh, but uh, our text starts in um, there in verse verse uh, 13. So that's the verse we're going to kind of think about tonight or this morning. Verse 11 says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him 
and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, well thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, uh, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and thou reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. But whose mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither, and slay them before me. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for uh, the salvation that's been freely offered and given to us. And Lord, I thank you for the warning, Lord, the, uh, for what you've given to us that we might serve you. God, I pray that you just bless this message, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, that we might be faithful servants. Lord, that we might be uh, have a desire to not just be uh, the, at the very minimal, but Father, may we be profitable uh, servants for you. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that we would, uh, Lord, that your spirit would have its freedom to work in each and, all, each and every one of our hearts this morning, that we might bring honor and glory to your name, that we might be profitable unto you, that souls might be saved, Lord, and the kingdom might be furthered. We thank you for all you do for us. Help us now. In Jesus' precious name, Lord, please help me. Amen. This passage of scripture, we find them entering into the 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 the, the, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus is 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 going in with his disciples, and his disciples are expecting uh, him to. Uh, this is just just before the triumphal entry. Uh, they're expecting uh, him to go in and set up his kingdom. Uh, they understand, they know, they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. That he is the one who, whose, whose kingdom is going to reign forever and ever and ever. And, and they're, they're expecting him to go in. But they're not expect, expecting a kingdom uh, uh, because he preached the kingdom of God as at hand. It, but they weren't expecting a kingdom like he was going to provide a kingdom. There will be a day when Jesus reigns forever and ever and ever and ever. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, that every tongue shall confess. There will be a time when, when he reigns in Jerusalem as king, uh, but, but that time was not then. This was before that time. The, the plan of God, well, before he was to reign, first he must die. The disciples didn't seem to understand that. And, and it's, it's interesting that just prior to this, it was, we, if we could go back a, a chapter or so, you would find, uh, uh, in fact, uh, not a chapter or so, the, the beginning of the chapter, you would find uh, Zacchaeus' salvation. See, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that, was, that Jesus was going to bring about on this earth wasn't a, a physical kingdom where he sat in a palace and, and people would bring him gifts. Uh, the, the, the kingdom he was going to set up is the, the kingdom that he did set up, a spiritual kingdom. Uh, the kingdom that would, where he would reign in the hearts of those who chose to follow him. And, and he was trying to teach the, the, the disciples something here in this, in, this, uh, in this passage. We see that in verse, verse 11. It says, and as they heard these things, 
he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom should immediately appear. He wanted to teach them something. There was going to be some things that were going to take place. First of all, how many times did he tell them that he was going to die on the cross before uh, he ever died on the cross? But they always argued against him. Even Peter, uh, just before uh, the, night of, uh, the night of the Last Supper, he told Peter that this was what was going to happen. And Peter said, no, I'll die first. Right? But they didn't understand. They didn't remember those things until he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And they remembered then. Their eyes were opened then to those truths. But so here he's teaching them something. And while he's teaching them something, listen, this is a lesson that we need to learn. It's It's a lesson for each and every one of us. I am thankful for the salvation that we have been given through through Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we we all understand. We we understand. We we know that uh, that we can only come to the Father through Jesus Christ. He said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." We all understand that we are all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All is inclusive. Uh, there is not any one single person that stands on the outside of that. Uh, there is no there is no racial line. There is no uh, political line. There is there is no, uh, no there is no. Uh, uh, borderline as far as the nation's concerned that is separate from this all are, have sinned and short of the glory of God all of us and because of our sin we understand that that the, that the, because that we'll be judged for our sin one day the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment you, you can be sure if you are alive today unless you're in Christ and and unless uh, uh, the rapture takes place that you are going to die physically it is going to happen. Uh, we mourn, we mourn when, when people die, and we think if nobody's ever felt this before, and, and man, I, 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 I'm thankful that all of my family that's close to me is still alive. Praise God for his grace and mercy. But guess what? One day, my parents, or, or maybe me, who knows who's going to go? We, none of us know when we're going to go. But everybody dies. And while those that are here mourn, the Bible says that if I'm in Christ, if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. But the Bible tells in Luke chapter 16 what happens to those who are not in Christ. That they go to hell, where they'll spend an eternity forever and ever. Why? Because they rejected Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ's death on the cross was enough to pay for the sins of all men. But if they reject him, the Bible says it's a gift. He does not force it upon you. For, uh, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We all understand that, and, 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 or hopefully we all understand that. And if you don't understand that, I, I want you to understand that. The Bible is very clear in this, that we don't get to heaven because we're good. That we don't get to heaven because we, we belong to a specific church, or that we went uh, to church on a regular basis. Uh, you can go to church uh, seven days a week, morning and evening. You can pray every day, and you can, you can give money every day, and you can do everything that you can. But none of it, or all of it, none of it is good enough to get you to heaven. The only thing that gets us to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did for us on that cross when he died, and, and the Lord God uh, looked down, and his, uh, the sins of all the world were placed upon Jesus Christ and that, on that cross that day, and he paid for those sins on that day. He had victory over sin. And then when he rose from the grave, he had victory over death. And the promise that we can have eternal life, the power that, that rose him from the grave is the same power that gives you new life, that new birth that Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God works in you and helps you to see the truth of the gospel, your need of salvation, and what Jesus Christ did, and allows you by faith to trust in Him. But again, it's a gift, and not everybody that sees it chooses it. Some people will reject Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that here in the, in the parable. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I don't grasp it. But listen, there are those who don't want to be ruled. There are those that don't want, ha- they don't want someone over them saying, this is the truth and this is what is right. They said, I want to do what I want to do and I want to do it when I want to do it. That sounds like my two-year-old. I don't have a two-year-old anymore. But I've had two-year-olds and it sounds like one of them. Sometimes it sounds like us adults too. 
But we understand as children of God the, 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 the grace and the mercy that we received in salvation. Sometimes we're comfortable in that. I know, how many, how many of you, raise your hand, know without a doubt that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Not because of what you did. You can put your hands down. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus Christ did. The Bible says in 1 John chapter, chapter 5, it says that ye, these things are written that ye may know. It doesn't say that you might guess, that you might wonder, you might hope. It says that ye might know that you have a knowledge within your mind, within your heart. There is a security in your salvation because it isn't you that saved you, it's God that saved you. Praise God for that. We need that because it helps us to walk in our life. But understand this, that one day we're going to stand before God, and yes, we're going to get to heaven. And listen, I cannot wait for that day, but there's going to be a time, there's going to be a, a moment when, well, we may be praising God that we're there. It's not going to be an easy time for us. Because we overlook, we, we think about the, 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 the great white throne judgment when God separates the saved from the lost. Revelation chapter 20, uh, verses 11 and so on, talks about how, how, God, how God is going to separate and cast those that are lost into hell. But Paul talks about another judgment seat. And that's the judgment, that's the judgment seat we're going to talk about this morning. Another judgment where, where every child of God is going to stand before Jesus Christ. And every word that you spoke, every action that you took, every work that you have done, every thought that you've ever had in your heart, you're going to stand before God and answer for it. Now, I don't know, that, I don't believe we're going to be judged for it, our sin. We're going to be judged for our lack of works. See, the Bible says there's no condemnation unto, uh, unto us that are saved. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, a wonderful promise. We're not going to be judged for our sin. Our sin has been paid for. But that judgment seat is not a judgment of our sin. It's a judgment of our works. And what the, it's, it's also referred to by Paul as the, the Bema seat. The Bema seat was back in the old days, uh, uh, the beginning of the Olympics, when, when the, the Olympians would run and they would, they would all do their best. They would strive for the masteries, right? Uh, they would try to win a medal or win a... Win a uh, they didn't win medals back then. They won little, little things and a lot of people raised them up and, and cheered for them, whatever. But when they stood before the, the judge, the, the, the leader, the, that was called the Bema Seat. And they were given their rewards. We all want rewards in heaven, don't we? I hope we do. Now, not, not for us to carry around and say, look what I did while I was down there. Because all those rewards are done for the, or received and then cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. To bring honor and glory to his name. If we're doing it for our own glory, can I tell you this? There will be nothing. The Bible talks about how it will be tried by fire. God knows our hearts and our motives. Uh, uh, but I, I want you to understand, uh, is to prepare for that time, uh, Jesus is teaching them something, uh, this parable. That, listen, I'm going to, I'm here, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to come back. And here's what you need to do while I'm gone. Let's go ahead and take a look at this, this passage. Verse, uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 11, it says, And as they heard these things, he added, and they spoke the parable for this, so they understood this. Verse, verse 12, He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country. Who do we think that nobleman is? Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus. We see, the, we see a similar parable taught in Matthew chapter 25. It is a different parable. Here they're talking about uh, pounds. In, their, uh, in chapter 25 they're talking about talents. Uh, they are different. Uh, but two separate parables. Apparently the, the disciples were awful. Thick in the head and had to hear things a few times. Uh, but uh, anyway, so are we. Uh, <laughs> so a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I want you to, if you, if, if you are one who takes notes or, or underlines things in your Bible, uh, for me, I've, I, I've, I've, I underlined that phrase, Occupy till Till I come. Uh, what does the word occupy mean? Uh, uh, there, back in the days of, of, of sieges and, and, and wars, and listen, we're still in wars uh, today. Uh, uh, right now, that uh, I believe it's uh, Al-Qaeda or the, Tal it's the Taliban that is occupying uh, the, the land there that we just left. Isn't that not correct? 
When, when America left, uh, Al-Qaeda came back in and they occupied it. That's a, 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 a military term. And when they, they come in and they've taken control. Now, Jesus isn't telling them, uh, these servants, or the, the, the master isn't telling these servants that they're to, to, to occupy as in take over and control. Uh, he's already the master of that land. Uh, it's a spiritual kingdom. But what, it, what he is saying is, I want you to occupy. The other, there's a two other terms for occupy. Did you know, sir, that you are occupying that seat? Well, I can't occupy it. You're there. Okay, now he's moved over. I can occupy that. You're occupying. When you're sitting someplace, uh, you're occupying that seat. You're, you've taken the place of. You're, you're resting there. Again, not, not what we mean by or not what uh, he meant. The only time this word is ever used is in Ezekiel. And he's telling the, the people of Israel they are to occup- be occupied in trading Talk about being busy in business. What he's saying is, here is what I'm giving you. Get busy in trade, in business, in exchange. In fact, we we know that's the truth, what he's talking about, because he comes back to see what they gained by trading uh, later on in the passage. So so he he says, I want you to occupy till I come. He says, here is some of my money. You are my servants. I want you to get busy doing my business. Trying to, uh, trying to grow uh, what I have, trying to multiply what I have. When Jesus Christ left this earth, what did he tell the, what was the last thing he told the disciples to do? We told him the Holy Spirit was going to come. He said to wait till the Holy Spirit comes, and then what? After that, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. Ye shall be my witnesses. They were, given, they were given the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. They were to go and to preach and to teach everywhere from Jerusalem to where they were, where they were waiting, to, 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 to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. They were to go out and to propagate or to preach the gospel. They were to go out and tell other people how they could be saved. This gospel, this good news, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And the angels came down and it says that they had good news to present. Guess what? That good news was that the, that the, Son, of Man, the Son of God had finally come to earth and he, was, he came to die. We have better news that he came to earth and now he's died for your sins and mine. And the, the plan of God is... It is that his desire is that you would be saved so that you could have an eternity in heaven with him and, and have fellowship with him while you're here on earth. But when Jesus told the disciples, he said, he said, I want you to go and I want you to wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes, I want you to go. Now, if you remember, uh, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, what happens? The Bible says that they all stood up there gazing. I don't know about you, but I'd have been gazing up into heaven too. What a miraculous, what an amazing sight to see the glorified Christ rising up into the clouds. This, uh, I would have stood, have you ever watched a balloon rise? And see how high, how high, every kid does that. When we're little, we cry when we lose them, but, then, but there's, a, there's that something inside you that makes you want to see it kind of fly off into the distance as it is. And so you stare up into the sky and you watch that balloon fly up into the, into the distance until you can't see it no more. And then, you, well, I saw it for a second, it's just a balloon. Talk about the glorified Son of God standing there. They, they just heard him speak, and, and he's risen up in the glory. Wow. The Bible says two angels appeared. And what was their question? Why stand ye here gazing? He who just ascended up into heaven is going to come back the same way. What did he just told them to do? To go out and, to go and wait, and then to go and tell others about Jesus Christ? What did he say? He said, occupy till I come. See, the, the, the message that he gave them was that they were to go and do his work, uh, that their life was to be occupied not with their own things, but with his things. Now listen, I understand that everybody has, has things that we must do. That we, we all got to eat. We've all got to get clothes on our back and pay bills. I, I understand all that. But the focus of our, of our mind, the, the intent of our heart should be in everything that we do, that we bring honor and glory to the Lord. And in, in, the, in the act of whatever we're doing, our heart's purpose is to do the work of him that sent us. And if you're a child of God, he has sent you with the gospel. First Corinthians uh, uh, chapter, I believe it was chapter 4. 
want you to notice, look over there with me real quick. First Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's talking about himself being a, a minister. By the way, that word minister is not the one who's lifted up, but a servant. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. That's 2 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Sorry about that. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of God and stewards of the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? Well, to the lost, the mystery is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul's saying that I am a minister of God and a steward. What is a steward? A steward is one who deals in the affairs of another. Correct? If you were to hire a steward, if you were wealthy enough to hire a steward to take care of your financial, uh, if you hired an accountant, you hired a steward of your money. Is that correct? Right? And they, make, they, they tell you what you need to do to get your bills paid, uh, how you best can uh, to put your money into uh, over here and over here and invest it in different places, trading and so on and so forth, to help you increase your money. You've been given the mystery of God. It is not yours, is it? No. You've been given the gospel. It belongs to, to, to the Father. He's given you the ministry uh, of being a steward of the mystery of God. You have been given this ministry, just like they were back in, back in Luke chapter 19. Uh, and when he said, occupy till I come, they were, they were, they were being made stewards of the talent that, that had been given to him. He, he called ten of his servants and gave each one a single talent. And he said, occupy till I come. He said, this is, this is what I'm giving you. I want you to be a good steward of what I've given you. God has given us the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, we occupy until I come. Now let's read what happens. Let's look at, actually, let's look at a couple things first. Notice there with me, if you would, verse 13, he called him ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. Now, uh, what, that, what that means, and, if, and we know this by reading later on, what, as they came back and said, here's my pound, it has gained ten pounds, or it has gained five pounds, that he didn't give each one ten pounds, he gave each one one pound. There was an equal allocation. They all got the same thing. Right? Uh, he didn't, uh, now in the parable of the talents, uh, uh, in the parable of the talents, uh, a talent is actually 75 to 100 pounds uh, as far as currency is concerned. Uh, and and it, uh, the, he gave some uh, one talent, gave one five talents. He gave different people different things. And God gives us different gifts in that way. As, as some people are given multiple gifts uh, as Christians, uh, some Christians are given a single gift. Uh, but it's, it's the, the Spirit of God who gives those gifts. And, and the purpose of that, that, that uh, parable was to teach us that what, no matter what spiritual gifts God gives you, you're to take that, those spiritual gifts and make the most of it, use it for the honor and glory of God. Here, he gives them all a single pound, the same thing, one pound. Brother Donnie, did you know that you've not been given any more of the gospel than anybody else? Brother Frank, same. Brother Rich, uh, 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 Miss, Mrs. Anita, or sis, Sister Anita, I guess that would be the scriptural way to go. None of us, have been, if you're saved, God has given you the ministry. God has given you what you need, everything that you need to succeed uh, as a child of God in the, in, in the mystery or the spreading of the gospel, the preaching of the word of God. You've, you've all been given the same thing. Are you saved? The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You need the Holy Spirit, you need the word of God and the gospel. And that's all you need. Now it's time to get to occupying. It's time to get trading. They were all given an equal, uh, the, the, the equal allocation. It came from an almighty source. Listen, I'm glad that, that, that the gospel came not by, by the thought of man. I, I'm glad that, that the gospel is real and powerful. 
It's not just some story that somebody concocted that, 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 that they tricked a few people into, into believing. And, and it's turned into, listen, if that was the case, it would have died out 2,000 years ago. If that was the case, the, those apostles wouldn't have given their lives for a lie. They all died martyrs' deaths, terrible, horrible, awful deaths. I am thankful that the transformative power of the gospel is there because it comes from the creator of all the universe. Did the, did the power of the gospel change your life? The Bible says that to those who believe that it gives them the power to become the sons of God. That, uh, even to them that believe on his name. Look what God did in your life and how he has transformed you. What a, what a powerful uh, thing the gospel is in our lives. It has a, an almighty source and it's an adequate substance. It's, it's all we need. He gave them, he gave them the, uh, the, the, each one a talent. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're talking about the, the gospel. He gave each one of us all that we need, everything that we need through the word of God and the spirit of God that we can go out and, and preach the gospel. Now the question is, what do we do while he's gone? Because we know that here in the parable that he goes off for a while to come back. And we know that as we talked about earlier in the book of Acts, chapter 1, that he ascended up into heaven and the angel said, he is coming again. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, you don't need to turn there. It says, uh, it's saying that one day we will stand before uh, that judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because we are expecting him to come back. Paul is expecting it. All the apostles were expecting it. If, 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 if we should be expecting it, Amen. The equal allocation. I want you to notice real quickly, and we'll come back to it here in a few minutes, but the, 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 the enemy's animosity. The enemy's animosity. But it says, but his citizens, the people of the country, not his servants, but the people of the country, it says, hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. I want you to think a, a moment about this. This they, they hated uh, this the, and, and wanted to reject him. The, uh, this hating rejection that they had for for the for the master. Uh, they they said, "Listen, we hate this man. We don't want him to reign over us." And how do you think that affected the trading with the with the world? If they know that you're his servant, do you think they're going to accept accept that trading? Would you do business with somebody that you hated? You do everything you could to not do business with it. Is that not correct? Don't you think the world hates the gospel? No, they may not say they hate the gospel. But it's becoming more and more evident as it's become more and more, um, as, as the world has become, as America has become less and less friendly to the gospel, uh, and as other nations are less and less friendly. Listen, uh, they, they hate the one that sent us. Amen. They hated Jesus. They're going to, they, they hate us. They're just not opening up their mouths and saying it yet. Not here anyways. They are in other countries. And there, there may be a day when you have to stand uh, and, and before somebody who hates you. Uh, uh, but I want you, and, and you may have to, but listen, the truth is, those are who we are, who we are to deal with. Those are whom that we are to trade with. Well, how do you trade? You go and you preach the gospel. Now it doesn't, you can go. You can do it a myriad of ways. You can go stand on a corner and preach the gospel. And there, there can be success doing that. I've I've seen people respond well to that. I've seen people respond negatively to that. Guess what? There will be people that respond negatively to it. You can go knock on doors. That that's worked in the past, uh, as uh, and, and and can still work today because the power isn't in the power of the gospel isn't in the method that you use to get it out. The power of the gospel is is in the gospel. It's in G, it's it's in the word of God and the spirit of God as He uses you to propagate or to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there will be those that reject it. There will be those that hate it. And, and listen, there will always be those that hate it until the day when Jesus Christ steps his foot in Jerusalem and then the Bible says every knee shall bow. Whether they worship him today or tomorrow or it's going to be during the thousand-year reign, it will happen. Our job isn't to force their knee. Our job is to preach the gospel and let the word of God and the spirit of God work in their life. There's a 
hating rejection and a harsh rebellion. They're going to rise up against them at some point, and we'll, 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 we'll talk about that here in a few moments. But there is that enemy animosity. Next, I want you to notice the, this earnest act, activity. It says, he said, occupy till I come. It says, and it came to pass so when he was returned. And so there is a period of time here. When, the, when he said, occupy, until I come, he left. The people were kind of rising up against him. They're not, they, they hated him. Uh, but his servants spent that time, some of them, in doing exactly what he said. Because they, they had to have, they had to have to have done something. If, if you've got a job, raise your hand. When you go to job, what, do you, when you go to work, do they expect you to do what they've asked you to do? Yeah. If they give you a list of things that need to be done or, 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 or you know the list of things already, you're supposed to do those things. Uh, you eventually uh, you have to stand, stand before your boss and answer for having not done those things or having done those things, correct? Uh, uh, they're going to give you a pile of paperwork. Or, depending on what your job is, if they, they tell you to do something, your job is to do it. What happens if you go to work tomorrow and they say, they say, Donnie, I've got these 13 projects, 14 projects I need you to do. Uh, I need them uh, done at the end of the week. Uh, I, you know what? I just need them done as soon as possible because I want to come back in, and when I, when I come back, I need them. Now, Donnie, you wait till Tuesday. You haven't touched them because, well, you've got other things you want to do. You want to sit around. Donnie likes to sit around the office and talk with everybody. <laughs> so, so Donnie doesn't do any of the projects on Tuesday. That's doing on the projects on Wednesday. He doesn't know when his boss is going to come come back. It could be a week. It could be a month. His boss likes to travel, and his boss is really busy. He doesn't know when he's going. To, but one day, that boss walks in there. Well, if Donnie's done the projects, he's happy to see him. If Donnie's been gabbing all week, he's not so happy, and they'll be they'll be they'll have to answer for what he did. If he did the projects, there was some effort he put into it. Amen. He did what he was called or told he was to do. If we're going to occupy, if we are occupying, uh, uh, or if we're going to occupy as God has called us to occupy or preach the gospel like he's called us to do it, there needs to be some genuine effort put into it. It doesn't just happen. Now, there are times when God will send us, uh, put us in a, in a place to, uh, there's a, a, like a divine appointment like he did with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. He told, uh, he, he told uh, Philip to, to go to the, to, the, to the middle of the desert and he brought this Ethiopian eunuch coming from Jerusalem. They, uh, he was coming from Samaria. He's coming from Jerusalem. And they met in the middle of nowhere. And, and th- that's only God that does that. But, but he was listening to God to get there. If he hadn't been listening to the Holy Spirit, he never would have showed up. He'd have been sp- still back in Samaria and said, Hey, we're having a revival. This is a great time. Most of the time, there's effort put into it. Because you're praying for somebody. God, God's laid somebody on your heart, and man, you're just you're praying, saying, "God, Lord, I know they're not saved. God, I, that you, they're, they're in my workplace, they're part of my family, they're uh, whoever it is, uh, somebody that God has placed upon your heart, and you're you're praying for that person, just like Jesus said, Lord, that uh, the man prays or knocks on the door of the neighbor asking for bread, uh, just continuing to pray and ask God to give you the Holy Spirit and give you the ability to, to have utterance and boldness to go and share the gospel. And, 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 and then as you get opportunity, as you see that person, you, I'm not saying you carry your Bible in and start, I want you to know you're a sinner. You're going to die. Go to hell. That's not going to save anybody. Hey, you may get the gospel out, but they're not unconscious. They're not able to understand the truth. But, but what, what you are to do is to, they're to see your life, number one, right? They're to see you pray. They're to see uh, you walk according to the word of God. And, and they call that lifestyle evangelism. And listen, I'm not against lifestyle evangelism unless that's all you do. The Bible says they're to see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Uh, so they, they, they are to see our life as a child of God and see that it's different from their life. Because if you're not any different than they are, and you're not happy and joyful and have hope in the Lord, if you don't have any of those things, what are they, if you don't have victory over your sin, what do they need from you? They've got the same thing you got. So, yes, they need to see the Christian life lived before them uh, openly and freely, not hidden, not pretending, not, not acting like them or, or conforming to the world, but I am a child of God. Boldly stand before him. And then as God allows you to have those conversations, have you ever thought about 
what would happen if you were to die today, where you would go and spend an eternity? See, it is those conversations that spark thoughts. Jesus did it like this. Hey, could, could I have a cup of water? And the woman says, why are you asking me, you a Jew, asking me a Samaritan? He says, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for the water. What did he do? He took that, that opportunity, that question, and, and, and was able to turn it, make it become spiritual and, and be, make her begin to think so that she then was able to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it takes effort. It takes planning. It takes prayer. It takes preparation for us to get out and do that. It doesn't just happen. Just like when you're going fishing, you have to have a pole. And you have to have bait. And you have to go to where the fish are. You can't catch fish in the middle of a parking lot. Right? There are times when I feel like we as a church are in a boat going down the canal. I've used this, this my, my wife likes this illustration. I guess that's why I've used it so many times. But like we're in a boat going down the Kennebec, and every once in a while a fish jumps in. We're in the right place. We're, uh, we, uh, we, we, we love the Lord. We want people to get saved, but we're not really doing the fishing, and we're just letting the fish jump in. Now, I know there are rivers like that where you can do that with fish jump all over the place. Uh, that's not what uh, it's. What I'm talking about is we need to do the work. We need to put in the genuine effort. Genuine effort requires sincere commitment and steady consistency. Uh, listen, they may not get saved the first time you, pre the first time you witness to them. Uh, it may take a while. The Bible says that, that Paul watered and, and uh, the, the Paul uh, planted and the Paulus watered, uh, but God brings forth the increase. Listen, they may have to hear the gospel over and over again as the Holy Spirit works on them slowly and prepares their, their heart uh, to, to finally come to Christ in faith. It may take a while. It may take a year. It may take 10 years. Don't stop praying. Don't stop preaching. Just be faithful of a steward of the mysteries of God. And in doing that, there'll be a gaining exchange. Every soul that you have when you get saved is something that you get to present to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember what happened here. In this passage. So let's go back to it. Luke chapter 19. It says, And it came to pass when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him. Then came the first, verse 16, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Where did those ten pounds come from? He says, Thy pound hath gained ten pounds. How did he multiply that? By occupying. He was somebody who went out, and, and, and even though there were those that rejected him, even though there were those that wanted nothing to do with him because of who he, who he served, uh, he went out and he did his very best. He spent every, every moment that he could trying to occupy until the master came back. And when he, the master came back, he had, much to, he had much to report. There's a gain in that exchange as we... As we trade, as we as we occupy, I want you to notice with me the expected analysis. First of all, there is the inevitable return. The master said, "I'm coming back, and when I come back, while I'm gone, occupy till I come." It's an inevitable return. Can I, can I say this? That Jesus Christ is going to return. I know that we say I, I've been hearing that since I was a child. I, have, I, I, I was sitting in a Baptist church in Carrollton, Ohio. I don't know how many times I heard it, that Jesus is coming soon. And, and we, we don't know. The Bible says that we don't know the day or the hour. But I can tell you this. The apostles expected it during their lifetime. And if they expected it during their lifetime, how much more, 2,000 years later, should we expect it during our lifetime? The Bible says that there are some that, that count him slack concerning this promise of him coming again. And it says that, that, he's not, that it's not that he's slack concerning that promise, but that he's long-suffering, not that, not that, because he doesn't want any to perish. His desire is that we would go out and occupy so that we, when he comes back, that there's nothing more to, to occupy now, there will be those that will always reject. But there are some that will go to hell because nobody told them. Understand, 
God has placed it upon us to occupy until he comes. He is coming back. I don't know about today or tomorrow, but the promise is, is true and it is real. And listen, we need to live our lives like it is tomorrow. How many times, uh, I, I don't, uh, I'm a procrastinator. Anybody else? Me and Brother James are like, uh, like twinsies or besties. <laughs> if the two of us were left alone, nothing would ever get done. <laughs> because we like to procrastinate. Listen, this is not something in which we procrast that we, that we can procrastinate or should. Now, it is something that we do procrastinate in. We, we'll put it off. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Can I tell you that if you just continue to put it off, that you'll never accomplish what God wanted you to accomplish in the first place. That there will be souls that are missed because you are too busy in your own things. Listen, there are reasons why we do this. Sometimes we just procrastinate and, you know, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tonight. We have the greatest of intentions, but the, but the, the, the road to hell is paved with, with good intention. I, I, I want you to understand that if somebody's going to die and go to hell, the, the reason they get there should be because they, they struggled past our prying hands trying to pull them back from, from that road. We should stand in the way, say, no! Jesus died to save you. And then make them walk around us. Because while that's a, a picture of what's going on, the truth is, the Bible says that the, 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 the mouth of hell is widening day by day because the number of people who are dying, rejecting Jesus Christ. Don't let them die and go to hell because we didn't tell them. He is coming back. There's an inevitable return of Christ. There's an incredible response here that he had uh, to that one who had ten. It says, it says there, it says, and he, uh, uh, verse 15, it came to pass that when he would return, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Verse 17, and he said unto him, the one who had gained ten pounds, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities? Man, what, what a thing to hear from the master. He called him a good servant. We might know him as a profitable servant. The Bible teaches us that there are, there are those that will be unprofitable servants. You know what a, an unprofitable servant is? It's one who doesn't do what they're supposed to do. One, who's, uh, one who is uh, disobedient in, the, in, in those things that they've been called to do. They didn't get the job done. Donnie didn't do those 14 things, and his boss says, you are unprofitable to me. I am paying you a salary. You are not meeting my expectations. Here's your, here's your sign. We're, we're not even to be, to be a profitable servant. We have to do more than just meet expectation. To be a profitable servant, we need to serve God. So this man was a profitable servant. He brought in 10, and he, says, he, said, he, he called him a good servant. And man, I, there, there are going to be those who get to heaven and, sit, and they're hoping and they're expecting to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And they'll say, but I was at church every week. I was there for every service. I gave my time. And God said, what did you do with the gospel? See, the truth is, we're all going to stand before God just like this man does. And whether it's our time or our tithe or our money or, or the things of this world, we're going to answer for all of those things. But if we have never shared the gospel, and the truth is, the majority of Christians today have not shared the gospel. Don't raise your hand, but I want you to stop and think. How many of you have, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? A day? A week? A month? I dare say there are people here who haven't done it in a year. Two years. Maybe ever. Is that a profitable servant? Is that one who will, is that one who will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or will we stand with our heads bowed in shame?
That man who received the incredible response received an incorruptible reward. We see there in verse 17. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. The second came, we see him, he gained five pounds, and he likewise, notice, I want you to notice this, he was, they were given the same, he being profitable, it says, it says uh, and he said likewise to him. Don't compare yourselves with one another. Don't look at somebody and say, well, I can't be a soul winner like so-and-so. I can't win as many people to the Lord as D.L. Moody. Guess what? You're not D.L. Moody. And you're not Charles Spurgeon. And don't try to be. God did not save you to be somebody else. God saved you to be Frank, Frank. But he saved you to be the Frank that he wants you to be. The same with all of us. I'm not trying to pick out on Donnie or Frank or anybody else. Uh, Just understand that God saved you. If you're a child of God, he saved you to be the witness of the gospel that he has placed in your possession. Don't don't say, well, he's led more people to the Lord or she's led more people to the Lord than me. That doesn't matter. He said to both of them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know who got the the, the not good report? The, The one who came along and said, well... I knew you were really strict, and you really would—you're an austere man, and you would be feared. So, I buried it, and I wrapped it up in this handkerchief, and I set it aside, and so that so that I'd have it to give back to you when you got back here. And he, what does the Lord say? He says, "Take it from him." We see there in verse. Verse 22, and he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore, then gavest thou not my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said, Take unto them that stood by, take from him that pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. God took from that man what he had, and gave it to another. Do you know 1 Corinthians tells us that when our works are tried, that, that some will be rewarded and others will suffer loss. None of us will lose our salvation. Praise God for that. It cannot be taken away. I thank God for that. But you can lose your rewards. You can lose your rewards. This life here on this earth, for us as children of God, is not about life here on this earth. This life here on this earth must be lived in light of eternity. Because this is just a moment, a, 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 a speck, a, 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 a mist that will disappear. But what we do here affects life there. You say, well, I, should I really have to give my whole life up for, to serve God? Yes! He gave up his life to, serve, to save you. And you'll be rewarded for that. But our lives can get so caught up in, in the things of today. Man, Satan is so willing to throw, uh, throw things our way that, 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 we, that, we just, that we ignore the things of God and the things of, of eternity for the pleasures today. There's an increased reward for that man who, who served the Lord. He took the, the one pound from the other and gave it to him. I want you to, 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 to notice this. Last thing. Two more points. I say last thing. God gave them all the same commands. Did he not? God gave them all the same same pounds. What they did, their actions and their choices were responsible for for whether there was reward or whether there was loss when they finally stood before Christ. As children of God, we understand this, that God has given to us all the ministry of the gospel and the Christian life to live our lives. And there, there are many different crowns uh, that we can attain. Maybe we'll talk about those this afternoon and, and finish this off. Uh, but I want, uh, we don't have time for that this morning. What I want you to understand this is that what you choose to do today, what you choose to do tomorrow will affect eternity. 
You cannot change yesterday. You cannot change a, a week ago or a year ago. But you can change your life today. You can today choose. that in your, in your heart, you can make the choice that today is the day that my life becomes more about serving God and bringing glory to his name and, and, and the eternity, casting crowns at his feet, than it is about this world. Cut the ties. Don't entangle yourself with the things of this world. The Bible says a good soldier doesn't do that. We have been set free, amen? We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from the world. We're not controlled. So we don't need to be conformed. We need to be transformed. So, so we set aside the things of this world, and we pick up the Bible, and we start studying the Bible. And we, start, we, 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 we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, as it says in Colossians chapter 3.16, and it changes us. He sanctifies us through his word. We become more and more like Christ, and we have a desire to tell other people about Christ. We live our lives before him, uh, glorifying God, and we tell them about how they can have the same thing we have, with joy and peace and happiness. You know what this world is missing? Joy and peace and happiness. Where do we find those things? In Christ. This, 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 this world is missing it because they're rejecting Christ. The last point is this. I want you to see the, what happened to those that rejected him. Verse 25, And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. Verse 26, For I say unto you that unto every one which shall be given from him shall, uh, that hath not even that he hath shall, even he, that he sh hath shall be taken away from him. But now those my enemies, remember those enemies? Those ones that rejected him, they said they hated him. We see, him, we see him back there in verse uh, 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Notice this. But those mine enemies, verse 27, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. There is going to come a time when everyone will stand before God. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 13, shows this point. Uh, the, dead in Christ, uh, the dead are all brought up. The dead that are in the sea, the dead from hell, death and hell, is all brought up to stand before God. And they all stand, and he says, depart from me. And they're cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Now, I, the Bible talks about and, and, and tells us what, the, what, uh, what hell is like. Luke chapter 16, it is, it is dark. It is, uh, you are alone. It is without fellowship with God. You, you, they could see uh, paradise where, where Abraham was, but they could not, uh, there's no fellowship there, and there's no help to be received from them. Uh, they, they called out to God, but God would not give them what they're asking for. They wanted just to, uh, uh, they were thirsty. Uh, Lazarus, or not Lazarus, the rich man wanted just a, 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 a drip of water from the fingertip of Lazarus to, to just to touch and to cool his tongue. It was a hot place of fire. Listen, that place, that terrible place that we think of when we think of hell is cast into the lake of fire. I don't know, in, in utter darkness, never to be brought back again. There will be no hope. There is no salvation for them. So those that are rejecting of God, those that who have hated them and said, we will have nothing to do with them, that's where they're going to spend eternity. If you're here today, and you have rejected God, or you've, you have made plans that one day, uh, one day I, I might get saved. Listen, the truth is the truth, and hell is still real, and those that die and go to hell will spend an eternity apart from God forever, judged for their sinfulness and their rejection of Christ. If that's you, today is the day of salvation. Jesus Christ has made a way for you to be saved through faith in what he did on the cross. You can be saved. He desires to save you because he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if that's you today, I encourage you to become a child of God and to experience uh, the, the, the miraculous transformation that takes place with the new birth when he changes you. There are those that know that they reject Christ. And they, they adamantly refuse to, to, to succumb to the word of God. Uh, uh, it's not true. It's not real. And listen, those people may never believe. Prayerfully, hopefully, the Holy Spirit of God opens up their eyes and helps them to see the truth. 
I fear more for those that are here uh, in our church or in other churches who have prayed a prayer somewhere along the line and said, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, but there was never any life. There was never any new birth. Listen, it is not a prayer that saves you. It is faith in Jesus Christ that, can't, that comes by the word of God. George Whitfield, Jonathan, uh, John, Jonathan and uh, Charles Wesley. We know them because we know their names because they were great men of God. Uh, they all went to college together. They they started a group in college at, at Oxford uh, called uh, I believe it was called the the, the Holy Men or the uh, their, their desire their belief was as long as they 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 uh, uh, did good things and 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 loved God and did everything they could to serve God that they would that they would have their home in heaven. They all became preachers, and they all preached those false facts, false truths, until one day, for each one of them, a different day, but praise God, all three of them heard, you must be born again. Jonathan Edwards heard it in a message, preached in England. George Whitfield heard, heard the same message, heard a different message, but the same message. I don't, not, I'm not sure about Jonathan uh, John John Wesley and and how quickly he came to Christ, but George Whitfield spent the next three weeks laying on his bed, fasting, because he thought if he fasted, God would give him the answer. He fasted and prayed. He says, "God, I I I, I, I I'm doing everything I can. I, I I'm preaching. I'm doing." For three weeks, he almost died because he, he because of the lack of water and food that he ate. He became very very sick. Had to be rushed to the hospital multiple times. Until he came to the point where he understood that he was not saved and there was nothing that he could do. It wasn't any prayer. It wasn't any good work. It was nothing. It wasn't his involvement. He was a, a preacher in a church. When he came to America, uh, the first time he preached in Newburyport, Massachusetts, he preached in three churches. Uh, uh, the first church, 265 people got saved. Preached the second church, 150. The third church, 100 and some got saved. Those, those people got kicked out of their churches because they were different than the rest. When George, when he came back, they wouldn't let him preach in the pulpits because he preached a different gospel than they did. Because he began to preach that the men in their pulpits were just as dead as those who were laying in the graves. See, you can go to church and you can look like a Christian and you can, be, you can be dressed up and everything be fine in your eyes and in my eyes. Because I can't see your heart. But one day you're going to stand before God who sees beyond the outside. Who sees the heart and you may say, I did all of these things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. It isn't about if you know his name. It's about whether he knows yours. I fear that many, uh, uh, many Christians today, uh, they're, they're, I believe the, the, the statistics are 65% of people today say they're Christians. I would say that it's far less. And that many of those 65% will find themselves hearing those words. Depart from me. One day we're going to stand before God. The question for you is two questions. At which seat will you be judged? Will you be judged at the judgment seat of Christ where all Christians will be judged? Or will you be judged at the great white throne judgment? Will God see past the exterior, the facade, the, the, the whitewash that, that we all see? And he knows you better than you know yourself. Will you be judged and cast out? Or will you stand before God and answer for your actions? Second question. If you're a child of God and you're here and you're going to be judged, what are you going to say? If I notice as I read through this, he gave ten talents or one talent 
to each 10 people. One came back with 10. One came back with five. One had the talent and was rebuked. Where are the seven? They were all his servants. But there's seven more that weren't even mentioned. Something tells me that those servants made excuses as to why they couldn't do what they were supposed to do. Maybe the people hated him too much. They weren't good in business. We can come up with all kinds of excuses as to why we don't do what we do. But God has given us all that we need to do it. May God help us. Because one day we are going to stand before him. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I pray. Lord, first of all, for those here that might that are not saved, Lord, I don't know who they are. I do believe there are some here, some within our body. God, I pray that your spirit would touch their hearts. That they might come to you, not, not out of show, but an understanding and realization that they're not saved, that they might be saved. Lord, for the rest of us that are saved, God, I pray that you'd help us to take a, an honest examination of our lives and our productivity and what we've been doing. Have we been occupying? Lord, have we been doing what you've called us to do? Lord, and, and if not, help us to repent of that. Lord, help us to, to, to become sincere. Help us to, 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 have a, to put in the effort, Lord, as we rely upon you for the work. Lord, I ask that your spirit would work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed.